we have Stephanie Gorham. She is the CEO of Volunteer. I'm sure you guys have heard of that organization. It feels amazing to be around young professionals. I actually feel a little younger right now, so thank you. All right, we have Jelana McCaslin, Vice President of the Physician Practice Management with CHKD. Mm -hmm. So small task I can imagine. All right, and then we have Hamilton Perkins, President of Hamilton Perkins Collection. In your seats, you have everyone's bio. If you want to do a little, little more deep, deeper uh, dive on them, what they've done, what they volunteer with, what they do, um, and feel free to use that when you ask your questions. And I imagine this is an open forum, so you know, feel free to just chime in if you want to know anything more. Um, all right, so we have a few questions for me to kick off the event. That's what I mean. It's an open forum. I'm just going to be a conversation starter, and I hope it starts some dialogue between you guys and you all. So question one, we'll start with you, Stephanie. Part of growing as a leader, I guess I'll of you too, means looking for opportunities to grow as a person. Improving yourself is usually a lifelong endeavor. Are you actively involved in any self-improvement? Yes. Um, I, I mean, it's a very broad question. I know. So <laughs> I, I made um, some jokes about mine when I read it earlier. Yeah, I was like, eating yeah. out at better restaurants. No, I like it though. It's, it really made me think, like, what, what am I doing for self-improvement? But um, I absolutely dislike reading dislike it, but I just discovered, you know, maybe 15 years ago, I'll tell my age, um, that just to continue growing as a leader and as a person, I had to read. So um, reading um, reading things that um, make me laugh and make me um, get out of the work set mind, and then also kind of reading leadership development, it helps me. I'm also big on journaling. That's great. Um, yes. I agree with that one. I mean, you know, guys, I'm still trying to find time to read books. It was not my first passion, but they do say, you know, your top leaders are well-read, and I think being well-read makes you a better speaker, and I think those are the self-improvement things you're looking to grow yourself, and then find the enjoyment in it, right? Yes. As you make it them. a practice, right? We always feel like we don't have enough time. All right, Jelana? This feels a little bit like dating game. Did you guys ever <laughs> 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 This feels a little bit like that. Um, I know something at the end, and going on a date to um, find out Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I am a reader, and so, um, as Sarah can attest, so I read all the time. Um, but I'm also a professional student, so I would say that too. So in addition to the Master's of Public Administration, I got a Master's a couple years ago from George Washington University in Organizational Leadership and Learning because I just felt like I was a leader, but there were lots of leadership theories and things that I wanted to learn more about. And so it was really uh, nice to be able to say, oh, this is the theory, or this is the how you do change management from a very sort of, you know, academic kind of way. And now I'm also working on a doctorate at Regent University in strategic uh, foresight. So it's a doctorate of strategic learning and strategic foresight. Um, so I do that all the time. So we have a joke in my family. My kids are like, really, where are you going to do that? Are they going to give you a promotion? Or are you going to get more money? And I go, no, probably not. And so they're like, well, why do it? And I'm like, because I really enjoy it. It really helps me be a better leader the more I expose myself. Um, the other thing that I've done recently is, and so I, I, I do a lot, I guess, actually, is um, I, sure. did, I did the Cornell University um, Certificate on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, because that's really important work. And I don't think that we can ever be masters of that work. We're students of that work continuously and constantly and I wanted to be better at it. 
and so I also did that certificate. Now the thing that all of those programs have in common is that they're online. So I can do my day job and then I do those things in the evening and on the weekends and it gives me a great way to compartmentalize. So I, I love school, I love to learn, I love to read. It is my happy place outside <coughs> of work. I know it's weird, it's perverse. No, I feel like you're very blessed. My children don't understand it. That, like your but. passion is something that grows you at the same time, yeah. you know? Mine grows me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can talk more about food. All yeah. right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll echo Jelana. I mean, I really enjoy reading. I probably read about an hour a day, like during like peak week days, but during the weekend, I mean, I'll sit there hours and hours. Um, I think I find, um, you know, personal development, uh, you know, kind of like a thing that I, I don't necessarily go to one like channel to get it. You know, I have picked up meditation in recent years and, you know, to me, like I've, developed through that practice. Um, another thing that I've done in recent years is, you know, hiring coaches and um, hiring, you know, folks that are maybe like consultants or like beyond, um, you know, maybe where I want to be, like maybe they have a career and just like literally just, you know, hiring someone off of um, clarity.fm or, you know, someone on Upwork or something and just getting them to condense a lot of like information into like a really, you know, concise like bullet point but then you know I can download a lot of those like mistakes that they've made and then kind of like develop along the way um courses be aware of them and you know courses you know too I, I, um, you know, I have an undergrad and then um, I have an MBA too so um, you know I, I definitely still you know am seeking like knowledge by just finding courses on like a specific topic you know even if it's something in my my world I'm in the retail space so you know uh, it may be something in fashion or <clears throat> excuse me maybe something with marketing but um, you know I'm always looking for ways to um, develop and, and sometimes that's even just you know I, I just got back from New York and I, I don't know I just I learned so much from just literally being in Shake Shack, like, you know, just sitting there waiting, you know, just like the interaction between, I mean, you should see this guy that's like calling the orders. He's got one job, he's just calling the orders. This is a super international place, of course, you know, like right, uh, like I guess Midtown area. And he's just like making a connection with everyone that comes up there. And it's just like, he, you might would have had to seen it. I probably I'm not like explaining it as well. It but inspired you though. I'm sure it was a dramatic. It, it, it was just like development. Probably maybe. I mean, but but it was just something so so simple that like he just poured. You could just tell he's just putting every single thing in. It. I mean, he took the time to like acknowledge every single person. And these people are like pissed, you know, like because they want their food, they want the shakes. But uh, I, I think in more in recent years, I've found personal development just through like observing like everyday life like that. Well, I do think y'all heard a common theme, right? Are you guys all focusing on making time for your self-improvement, right? Not letting things get in the way of getting more knowledge, right? You let the day get away from you, you don't really have time. But again, to grow, what they've shown is their discipline on the self-improvement side, because the only way to grow is to invest in yourself, right? I think that's kind of a great theme between all three of you. All right, so we'll start with, uh, and again, I'm going to get it right, Jelana. Okay. I got it right twice in a row. Every leader has to make tough decisions at some point in their career. The lesson lies in how they make the difficult choice. Can you share how you've navigated making tough decisions in the past and give any recommendations you learn on how to approach making those difficult decisions? 
Sure. So I um, work a lot with physicians, right? And that is challenging because you're generally working with individuals who have a passion for what they do. Um, they have a lot of experience and education, and some of that education is not in a management space, right? right. So you're teaching them how to be leaders, but yet, um, but yet they, they don't, are not always students, let's just say, of that. So I think the one thing I've learned that, uh, and this really comes from executive coaches, right, is that notion of collaborative inquiry. It's that notion of appreciative inquiry, which is rather than come at a situation from you did or why did you, to sort of say, hey, hey can you tell me about that? Uh, I had this patient complain or I had this staff complain. Can you just tell me a little bit about what you were thinking about that? And so I think for me, the, the not going at it from a directive standpoint or a superiority standpoint, but just saying, hey, can you tell me a little bit about that? It sort of um, takes someone from a defensive posture to a more collaborative posture. And that is a learned trait and that that's you have to trait. learn to communicate. <coughs> that's right. All right, Hamilton? Yeah, as far as like tough decisions, you know, I think I'm probably like one of those people that is I'm quick to make a decision and then I'm like slow to change it versus like, you know, not think like over laboring it. I just find for me and my I've had more success by, um, you know, looking at the facts, look at what I what can I, you know, use as data or analysis, make a decision. You know, because the the fun th the funny thing is like, you know, and someone said this like maybe over the past week, and I picked it up. They were like, with enough like resources or enough investment in a thing, it's like that thing will actually usually like pan out. It'll actually work out in the long run. So um, it can be tough, I think, depending on like what industry you're in and what like decisions you have to make. I mean, if you're making like life and death decisions, like you you can't like <coughs> probably take this approach, you know. But um, I guess for, for us though, like when I'm faced with like some type of decision, I'm just usually, I'm, I'm going to make a decision and stick with it and it's usually pretty quick. All right, your turn. Yeah, oh, a yeah. tough decision that you want to give us an example or can you share just how you overcame? Yeah, so um, I'm absolutely kind of the opposite in making those tough decisions. Um, I am a very, usually just impatient, like let's go kind of do person, but when it comes to those big difficult decisions, I halt everything and take a very slow process. Um, and I think a lot of it is because I'm a people pleaser and I think about everyone involved in this the decision and I don't want to make those lightly. Um, but I will say, even though I am such a slow turtle in that process, I have learned so much about myself, about how to work with a team, how, um, how to be a leader through that decision process. So I feel like the biggest value has become like the process of making that decision than that actual decision. Um, it doesn't always mean that it was fun to make, but the process is something that's very important, I think, to me, and I would absolutely um, advise um, others to consider using it. It's just I'm looking, yes, looking at all the facts, but also having conversations with anyone who might be involved, um, just because I don't always know what's right, you know, and there are others the other thing I would I would add a little bit, and we talk about this at, in, in my group at CHKD, is you, you need to know who you are, right? So we talk a lot about leaning into your values. And so I sort of, I sort of think to myself, like, I'm not going to be perfect every day, but I want to go home and I want to be able to sleep at night 
and I want to know that I was true to my values, right? So we will often say, lean into your values. And so if you think about, I always talk about my sort of value pyramid, right? And so I have a couple of kids, and at the, at the top of my pyramid, I will always say to my kids, a mom's number one job is to keep kids safe. And we talk about everything from that perspective. Got to keep you safe. Got to keep you safe. And I think about at, as I work, too, right? Like my number one job is to keep people safe. That's what we do. We keep kids safe. And so I try to lean into my values and address conversations and address conflict by leaning into my values, about understanding what's important to me. You know, I'm sure a lot of y'all are starting to approach in your careers where you're being made an authority of some sort of managing <coughs> folks, and that first experience is never a great one in the what to do, and I think to be a senior executive and get to the top and to be a leader, this is you know, going to be part of the natural process that, I don't know if there's ever a comfort in it, but it's the security of, you know, I believed in what we believe in, I, I made the best decision for best. the team. Yeah. Right. You know, no one, I always say when people get upset, no one really has a malicious intent. No one came here to just ruin your day on purpose, but it was a group decision that had to be made. And as you grow, I mean, I know how tough it is, and you're at the top now, so there's a lot of those decisions have been made, and again, we appreciate you sharing. All right, having a mentor is so critical in career development. Who do you look up to for inspiration or mentorship? And do you have any recommendations on how young professionals can find those individuals? Um, I get mentored from, you know, from, I guess, bottom up or youth to, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I try to get, I, I get inspired by someone that's on TikTok right now that's like, you know, got a whole like communication channel that I'm not, you know, maybe as privy to or, you know, people that are like m my peers, you know, that are, maybe they're running companies, you know, uh, maybe they're, you know, they may be a few steps ahead, maybe a few steps behind. And then, you know, there's like, you know, senior, like, you know, developers who have like real estate you know all over and you know I can I can learn a lot from that even though it's not necessarily my my world um, so I guess as far as like going about it <clears throat> I think it's like almost like it chooses you in a way like once you have a connection with someone like I've never really like just come out and say like I want you to be my mentor like I'm not necessarily that type of like that's not my personality type um, I'm sure that could work but I, I usually just it's just like an un written thing or like something that's like I don't even have to say it like I met a gentleman uh, you know not too long ago that was just like super on it like we were just we clicked we had like just met and you know I just said hey is it cool if like we stay in contact or whatever and he was just like yeah of course like let's just do this and, you know he's just, like successful guy and, and like now we probably just catch up like every you know month and he's you know he's mentoring me but I never like I don't think I ever used that word with him necessarily so I think you just have to. Well, his vibe attracted the tribe. Yeah, if you if you his knowledge with his growth, you know what I mean. Right. If if and if you like have a vision of where you're trying to go, I think too, like people will start to appear. You know, if you need help with something, in my career at least, in the retail, you know, I take trash and turn it into travel bags. You know, we we sold forty thousand bags last year, and what we what I needed help with was um, financing, and I needed help with. Um, you know just like operations and you know I so one of my mentors is like very advanced in like operations and you know he just stepped in and like you know took me under the wing and was just like this is what we have to do this is how you need to approach this you need to talk to this freight for you, you need to do this you know and um, and then I just think it kind of like presents itself to you as uh, needed. Great. All right Stephanie what do you think about mentorship and finding mentors along the way and yeah. advice? So I've had several mentors 
mentors, and uh, like Hamilton, it's never been a, hey, will you be my mentor? Um, it's just been kind of a, something that has organically happened. Um, and it, the common theme has been, it's just a relationship that uh, filled like something that I was wanting to learn or something that I was missing in my professional life that I could gain from that relationship. And it's been women, it's been men, it's been older, it's been younger. I'm actually finding that quite a few of my current mentors are younger than me, um, just because there's so much that um, I feel that's happened that I haven't caught up with, um, technology for one, um, but just knowing, um, like even the political realm, like I've learned a ton um, from younger individuals and I consider them mentoring me in that area. Um, but I will say, and I love the question, but I would say what is, has been even more beneficial in my career are sponsors. People that will get me to a table that I don't have access to. And it's different than a mentorship. They're not really teaching me anything. It's just a relationship where I, um, they know my path that I'm on in my career and they um, will make opportunity for me to attend meetings, to be part of groups that will advance me on that journey. And, and you're seizing the opportunity though. Okay, I say yeah. when you knock it out of the park is when you get invited back again, right? And that is a relationship where you have to verbalize it. I wouldn't say when you be my sponsor because that could be a whole AA thing. But <laughs> I think it is a conversation you have with someone and you know they are in that realm and you know you have that trust. I would say, look, this is the journey I'm on. I have these walls. Can you help me get past them and get into that room, into that table? Right. I've never heard a no to it either. Morgan, if you don't say something, you can't assume everyone's going to know what your goals yeah. are. You do have to be your biggest fan. You have to let people know. Um, I think those are all good points. I mean, they, you guys have made great points. I mean, mentors, we always think of them as it has to be somebody older and more experienced, and it's not. It's somebody that you can learn from. And so I think those are good points. Um, you brought up sponsors, so we have sponsors and mentors, and then we have coaches. And we talked about executive coaches a little bit. If you don't have one, get one. Um, they're not always, you know, sometimes I will, I will work with physicians to get an executive coach. It's not always when you're in trouble, right? A coach is there to give you advice. A coach is there to give you feedback. A coach is there to help you see things in a different light. So if you don't have one, get one. They're very, very helpful. And the relationships can be as, as long or as short as you, as you need them to be. I was on a, a call the other night with the, um, with, a, with the Women's Network, Chief Network, and they asked us about who was the best boss and who was the worst boss we ever had. And we talked about the characteristics that made it the best or worst. And so that's the other thing I would say. If you're picking a mentor, develop what skills do you not like, who do you not want to be, and then sort of seek out those people to add them to your network, I think. Okay. Thank you guys for your input. So again, a mentor is not just you know, a more senior person in the career you want. It is coaching and it's leadership and it's finding people around you to help you grow in divisions you, you just have no idea about. They're not necessarily on the same path, but they did great at whatever they did. I mean, it's just looking at those opportunities, not just, that's the job I want, how did they get it? Can I just work under them? Like, there's so much more to that. Um, if you went back in time, what would you tell your younger self to do as you were just getting started? I'm sure you guys have all switched careers and picked different paths, but. Loaded question on that one. Take it any way you want. <laughs> yeah, we'll oh start with you. Sorry. Anyone in the crowd? <laughs> what would you do differently already? 
No, this one was so easy, unfortunately. Um, I would listen more. Um, I was, I love to talk. I love to share my ideas. I love to be the loudest one in the room. And unfortunately, it was a lot more amplified like that when I was younger. I wish I would have stopped and listened a lot more because through my career, I have learned such um, value in listening. Um, I, it, it just, relationships are better. You learn more about yourself. You learn more about, um, you know, everything in, in that conversation. So my dad always says, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would have told me that. <laughs> I mean, literally <laughs> just said this like last week to me and I'm like, okay. Yeah, teach me on that. <laughs> I would say give yourself some grace. Um, it's hard right now. And so I think at a younger age, I always there was this guy that I worked with in Texas, and he was so focused on his career. Like I had this vision that in his garage there was this master plan and roadmap, right? <laughs> and every job he took was fitting into the roadmap. That's not life today, right? So just as Hamilton said, you're, you know, and, and uh, you're going to do some things here, you're going to do some things here. So Sheryl Sandberg, lean in. She said, life is like a jungle gym. It's not a career ladder anymore, right? You're gonna go up, you're gonna go down, you're gonna go across, and all along that way, you're gonna learn things, and you're going to develop new skills and new experiences and add people to your network. And so I think sometimes the, the mistake we make is that we're so focused on the, the journey up that we miss a lot of the experiences along the way. And so that, I think that's what I would say is give yourself some grace to learn and appreciate where you are. Because sometimes, and Sarah's probably heard me say this, it is about being available and it is about being open. And so if you're so focused on going up, you might miss something that's right beside you because you just don't see it. And so I think part of this, I would be more open to the experiences and I would take more risk and I would be more focused on the journey than the ascent. Yeah. No, I, think that's, I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I, the thing I would say is start sooner to myself. You know, I think like when you're like, you just have more time, you know, it's just, it's, it's just a, I don't know how else to really put it for like she for my risk. yeah You're it's like it's like for yeah for my for my world it's, it's like I, I if I did what I'm doing right now like a year earlier it's like it's a big difference you know like and there's so many things um, you know when I came out of college I, I mean I consulted in uh, Washington DC for like um, <clears throat> social media <laughs> you know this is like a, a minute ago <laughs> uh, you know so I, I was consulting and helping you know like clients with like Facebook like real basic stuff and like it's just crazy because so much of that stuff is like people still do that today but you know there's someone like doing it even before like me and, and I just think that it, the more that you can like start now take risks like you can always recover you can always like go back to something that's like more safe I always tell like like no path you choose is irretrievable. We're so focused on I gotta choose the perfect path, the right path. You just it's just right or left. There is no right path. It's just yeah, a there's path. no going back to see yep. if it will turn out better because it's done, right? Yeah, it's done. So just choose a path. 
I think it's both. It's risk it. and it's also having the grace. I think something totally have, agree. Uh, like in the middle of a young professional and a seasoned professional in my life right now, but it's like I wish I enjoyed some more of the moments that were really good in my life instead of being so anxious about what am I going to do next because they mm. were really good times, you know. And then at the same time, I wish I had started younger and taken some of that risk and not, you know, worried about it so much because again, you do have time. But again, I try to embrace every day as well. All right. Do you recommend um, any books, blogs, or podcasts that have impacted your personal professional development? I mean, it's just you've read it all. I read it I all. I know you're still reading <laughs> it all. Still reading it all. So my well, I read everything. So um, I just finished Ryan Holiday. So if you haven't read Ryan Holiday, he's an author. Have you read him? He's an author out of Austin. He's yep. in Bastrop. I actually went to his bookstore the other day. I was in Austin, Texas, and I was like, I must find him. So I was a little fangirlish. He wasn't in the bookstore, um, but he writes books about stoicism. And so the, I read the first one, which is um, Courage to Act, I think, right? Is that right? Courage to Act? And then the whole series. So I just finished four books. But they really um, teach you about stillness, about courage, about taking risks. The last one was Ego is the Enemy. And it really talks about how you sort of have to get out of your own head a little bit. So I've read those a great deal. I'm reading a lot of books about DEI. Um, and I think the, the recommendation I would make to you about that, that a friend of mine from Richmond made, is read books about from black authors. Mm. Like you can't learn about DEI if you're only reading books written by white authors. So I'm trying to really get into that space. I just got the Project 1619 the other day to, to really kind of dig into that. Um, I love Brene Brown. Um, I don't do podcasts as much or that sort of thing. I, I still am really traditional and walky. I love to hold a book. I love to smell a book. I love to turn the pages. So, um, but that's what I'm reading right now. Amazing. All right, Hamilton? All right, so my favorite book of all time, and it's been a while since I've actually read it, um, but there's just so much in there, is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Mm -hmm. um, it's just... I, it's just like probably one of my favorite brands like Nike I mean just what they've accomplished um, I would say as far as like other books I mean I, I probably I read a lot of books and I probably need to just go back to some of them and like reread them so it, it's a tough one like I read a lot of marketing books I think you, you can't go wrong reading like anything that's like a direct response marketing book um, like if you're selling stuff, you know, now if you're not selling stuff, I guess it doesn't really matter, but, um, most people are selling or supporting sales. Okay. Yeah. I don't know the crowd. So I don't know like what everyone's doing, you know, yeah, you know, but like all, all the, all the, the good stuff like David Ogilvie, Claude Hopkins, um, Robert Collier, you know, all, all these, you know, folks that were just like masters with like selling stuff. Um, you know, I do read black authors too. You know, I think like, uh, you know, I really enjoyed, I mean, I enjoyed Up From Slavery, which was, you know, eye-opening. I, I read um, another one called Black Titan that was really good. Um, you know, and I, I think just as far as podcasts, I would say, uh, you know, probably the hack is to start a podcast. Because I've listened to, like, all the podcasts. Like, I mean, I can listen to Guy Rock forever. I, I love how I built this and these things. Um, you know, what's, I think Reed Hoffman has a good one. But I... The hack for me has been like actually starting a podcast. So I have a podcast where I just interview people, and it's like I think I published about 110 episodes. Um, and a lot of times they're authors, a lot of times they're you know business leaders, a lot of times they're customers. Um, but there's this thing that happens pretty much once the cameras stop rolling, and it's like 
now you get this like it's like almost like a coaching session or it's like almost like you know how can we be like helpful to each other how can we network have you heard of this have you read this thing or have you seen this and so um it's free if you know if you can do it um that's my hack you know re or uh, start a podcast it's like i'm not listening i'm grading yeah i'm getting the education by the conversation yep so um yeah this is kind of weird but one of my favorite books and i think it's just my favorite because i feel like i've used um a lot of it all the time is one i read in my graduate class it's called the goal has anyone read it oh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's just about how to create efficiencies um and it's very much logistics mm -hmm. <laughs> supply chain book which i'm not in logistics but um the book has been i don't know there's just no matter what you're doing in life you need to figure out the efficiencies how can you create things to be more efficient and um so that book i feel like i've used the most in my career um just in application um my um favorite blog um writer right now is boo lee has anyone heard of boo lee nonprofit af he does write from the nonprofit sector however um everyone is his target audience um, he says everything that I would love to say, and he adds a lot more salt to it. Um, but it's I, it, a short read. Every Monday he posts something. Um, I encourage you to um, just uh, give it a try. Just it gives you a whole new view of just philanthropy and just the system around it. Um, podcasts. I do listen to podcasts, and I'm going to tell you, tell you that my favorite are crime murders and they have been amazing <laughs> for my career they have because it makes me think okay there's more to this story let's look through the details here who really murdered that report <laughs> no but i mean it really has look at your smile too which makes it grow professionally right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that nothing cures me up better than murder <laughs> <laughs> i mean the other thing i would say to you is be open, you know, so I read books about um, about different cultures, right? So I don't read a lot of fiction, but if I do read a fiction book, I try to pick up a book about a different country or a different story that I don't understand, because that too opens up the experience. I worked with this lady in Texas once, she was a preacher's wife, and she said, you know, life is like a, a, a chicken leg, right? You eat what you want and you throw the rest away. And I try to tell my team that because I buy them books all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you don't have to like everything about the book, but somewhere within that book is a morsel. And it's okay if you don't like the whole book. You know, put it down, come back to it another day. It's okay. It really is, to your point, about just opening up your mind to something else. We're too polarized today, right? Yeah. We all think we're right and we're so polarized. It really is just about opening up your mind to a different point of view. You don't have to like everything, but there's going to be some morsel in there that you will take and that will resonate with you. I do. I like that a lot, too. I mean, it's very true. It's like traveling when you look at the different perspective. And I mean, a book is the easiest way to do it here, mm -hmm. now, present, affordably, and just seeing a different perspective. Does anyone have something they would like to share with the group to talk about a book they love or a podcast or, you know, more than your social media wall? <laughs> <laughs> right, that's where I get stuck sometimes. It's time to grow yourself. All right. So we do have one last question, but I really would love any questions from the audience. If there's anything that struck you, you know, feel free to put your hand on up now. All right, we keep going. Many young professionals struggle with the work-life balance. You know, I've heard you stay on my kids and going to school at night. I'm like, oh, I can't, 
<laughs> I hope I can balance all that. Um, life, uh, as many of life's major events happened throughout that time in the range of 20 to 40 years old, both personally and professionally, what have been the strategies you've developed to keep focused on your success while also maintaining a sense of balance, which I think would mainly be, you know, having, you know, I would say there's a pyramid. You have your friends, your family, and your work, and you only get two at one time. Something else will always be in chaos. You know, how do you do it? I mean, literally. Who wants to go first? I feel like I'm just. I mean, I don't. Right. I don't mind. I mean, I have a. I have a 19-year-old that I just dropped off at JMU. This is the second uh, year in college. The first year didn't go so well. He was a, a freshman at George Mason, and he struggled because he was sort of the COVID kid, right? Like he had a senior year completely in his room. So it's been kind of tough. My my best advice, to, and I have another son that's on the spectrum who's a sophomore at uh, at Kellum High School. My best advice to you is figure out what you can do. Like I knew I could never be a homeroom mom with my work schedule, but what I could do is I could do every field day and every field trip, and that was my thing. And so the kids knew that they could count on me <coughs> to do those things. So it's, it's find what you can do and then put your whole self into those things that you can do. We also take great vacations, and, and so we try to spend that time together. I have boys, so they, they don't want a, a lot of my time and attention at night necessarily, but I, I found early on what I could do, and that became my thing. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I, I would echo a lot of that. I think that's been my approach is to try to do what I can do, try to do that like with like, you know, in, in, you know, just a lot of force really. Um, you know, I have a, my kid's small, I mean, he's four, and you know, I think Part of it has been like, I mean, he, he's just grown up like in stores, you know, he's grown up like being around like entrepreneurs and business owners. Um, you know, he pretty much knows that he's a business owner. You know, he's got, um, he has his school where he goes to school and what he learns and that's great. And then when he comes home, you know, I create um, pretty much like a curriculum for him as far as like pretty much everything that doesn't get taught in school as far as, you know, everything uh business entrepreneurship all the things that stimulating conversation yeah exactly so you know He's on the being 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 uh <laughs> yeah he, pro probably probably um you know so getting getting him started at a young age i think is like important but like when we're not doing like that serious stuff like we are you know we're very like you know just going going to mount trashmore or like just going just let him just be have fun and just do whatever and you know, spend as much time together as a family as we can. So, um, and, and not like beating ourselves up if, you know, for some reason, like we're not together, you know, like I was just in New York for a little bit and everyone couldn't go, it's fine. But when I came back, it's like, we just spent like all the time together, just walks and playing and food and cream and all that fun stuff, so. Yeah, so this is a tough, tough question, and I, I don't know, I feel like my answer is probably um, if you have a family, uh, like if you have kids at home right now, this is more probably towards you, um, because I have, um, all my career I've had kids, um, and I have four, um, and I, again, I like to talk and be around people, so in the beginning of my career, I spent, I had to be everywhere, I felt like I had to be at every event, I had to be at every meeting, I had, I mean, had to be there, and that's not true. Um, I've learned to, you know, I guess you said with your um, career, you can take right path or left path. It's a path, you're not gonna make the wrong decision. But with your family, there's not a right and left. So I um, have learned after a few moments um, that really manage your time. Take a concerted effort, look at your week. And if you have a family 
my work responsibility this week. What do I really have to do? Um, and make sure that your family is prioritized in that. It's possible, but it really takes uh, concerted effort. Like I really have to sit down and look through, my, and I screw up still. I still double book in, but um, I just think that yes, you can choose paths for your career, but um, the family part—it's only one path, one chance, yes. right? Excellent. And I think you guys are probably feeling that as you grow, of like. I, I need to work all the time. How will I find time for a family? Or if you have a family now, am I interrupting it? But I do think it's it. the reality is being aware of your schedule, what your commitments are, and deciding what you're going to make the time for, right? You also have to decide to make time for the work and for the family. You have to make that decision yourself. Oh, and you're right about the two things. Like, I have like zero friends. They're all like during my work day. <laughs> well, they're like, part of work friends, yeah, too. Like, I have no time for friends. So if we're going to drink, it's going to be during the workday, early happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> Scheduling. Yeah. Quick question. Um, I just I found that not everyone can be a leader. Um, and in a lot of cases, just in situations. And I've actually I feel like come across very few just in the areas that I've worked in. Um, what would you would you say that anyone can be a leader, or would you say that what would you say to somebody who maybe doesn't feel like they are a leader? I think there's like three different types of leaders. Like you've got like natural born leaders. Like I think I'll probably put my son honestly in that category. Like he's just automatically like he just knows he wants to be leading everything. I think personally I'm probably like in the middle. Like I'm, I'm not necessarily a natural born leader, but I'm able to work at it. I think there's like another class where it's just like you don't necessarily have to lead. You're not like thinking about leadership. And so therefore you won't like move from, you know, the three levels. That's kind of the way John Maxwell talks about it and his, you know, like teachings around leadership, I think is definitely something that can be like developed. You know, I think it's like just being aware of certain things. And, and I don't even know, like, I, I think you just look up over years and then finally you just see, okay, I'm, I'm doing the thing that, you know, maybe I wasn't doing before. So I, I think it's something that can be developed. And a leader doesn't have to be the president and CEO. I mean, in every group, there's right. leadership amongst the group or whatever it is. You know, we had that conversation with Ann and Chamber people before. We're like, we're not sure. Like, I want to be, um, gosh, what is Brian with the head of the Chamber? Yeah, yeah he's the CEO. He's so guy? much. Right. <laughs> I just want to make sure I got it right. But, you know, he has so much responsibility. And, uh, you know, we talked about being a natural leader. Again, being trained in the management and having to empower people to lead other things. Because you, just because you're, you know. I think you have to find that within yourself, like what, how much do you want to manage or are you enough of a leader to have other people manage with you and you inspire? And I'm sure all of y'all can talk to those styles of leadership. I just want to add to it, um, I think you're gonna find a lot of leaders that will say they're not a leader. Like I constantly am like, wow, who hired me? Um, <laughs> but, and so I, it, it's just a lot of self-discovery and self-improvement they really wanna be. And two, the strongest leader in an organization is not the CEO. There's, and I don't know who I heard this from, so if it was, I don't know, so forgive me if I don't quote them right, but the primal leader of an organization is usually someone who is entry level, middle, but they set the culture of that organization and they really, I mean, they drive it. That's the true leader, but they're never gonna really strive to be that CEO seat. I think, I think the definition of leadership is <coughs> right? So I think, um, Leaders need to, that leaders are humble, leaders are authentic, leaders are vulnerable, leaders are compassionate, 
and we didn't always think of leaders in that way um, in the past 20, 30, 40 years. And so I think that definition of who is a leader is also changing. And so I would agree with you that you can be a leader. So we, I talk a lot to physicians, like you are a leader. When you're in that clinic, you are the leader of that team. People are looking up to you. So I think the definition of leadership is gonna continue to evolve. I think it was Barbara Kellerman that wrote a book called The End of Leadership. And it's sort of like the end of leadership as we know it, like this great man theory, or you know, it can be taught. And so I think it's gonna continue to evolve, because to your point, we're all leaders in some ex one way or the other, at home, at our church, in our, in our groups, in our team, in our group. We're all leaders in some extent, right? And I think our comment amongst all of us before you guys came is just, it's so impressive to get to that level because we're all like, what? You just have, you have put a lot on your plate, a lot of responsibility, a lot of growth, a lot of growing people, a lot of learning, a lot of challenges. And it's just, you know, you imagine like there's only one in every organization, you know? And I think you also have to be very sort of comfortable admirable. with yourself. So my 19 year old, a couple of years ago, he said to me, he goes, is all you're ever gonna be a vice president? And you're not going to get any money for getting that degree. Whoa. Why do you do? Um, but, but you know, because, and we are all as a society focused on that, right? And even he, you know, he's like 17 years old at the time and he was growing up with this notion of you got to make more money, you got to get a title. And part of it is being comfortable with who we are and what our talents and skills are. So I found myself justifying my career choices to my 17-year-old, which really sucked, right? <laughs> and, um, but, and, because, because when I, and, and as I explained it to him, I said, well, I, you know, I got this skill, I worked for this person, I, I, I learned this new talent, so I'm justifying it. But that is the remarkable journey. It's not about the title. It's not about the, the position in the org chart. It's about I learned this, I developed that skill, I had an awesome time. That really is the fun part of it all. Great question, though. I mean, it just leads into so much more about how the workplace is changing, how we, how leaders, you know, and I say leaders, the CEO realizes the importance of everyone on the team on how the culture goes that sets the bar of retaining employees and motivation and money stays out of it when, you know, uh, you know, money talks are less when people are very happy with what they're doing and they're involved and their leadership takes all different roles. And, Really, I don't know, any last <coughs> comments to finish out? Any last questions to finish out? Yeah. So I know that we talked about mentorship from looking for mentors, how to define them, are they younger, are they older? But I think um, a lot of us are kind of in that space in our life where we may have people turning to us now. So at what point did you kind of say, I'm solid enough in what I'm doing, what I've experienced, that I feel that I can give that guidance and that I feel that I can be that mentor because I am kind of like the lifelong learner too, and I just never feel like I will be the expert in that field to be able to provide that guidance to somebody else. So, I would say, I mean, any, I don't know that I ever feel like I'm in that place, but it's almost like a, it's a relationship. And um, but as a mentee, I never saw that as my with my older mentors. Is that um, I, you're the mentor is also kind of learning too as that conversation is happening. Um, so. I feel like I'm stable. <laughs> 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 it's, it's, it's like the imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, 
Exactly. Yeah. None of us are ever good enough, right? We're yeah. always looking over our shoulder like, when are they going to find out I'm really not very good at this job at all, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like we so all, so yes. let me tell you, we all feel that way. Every day when we wake up, we all feel like somebody's going to realize, Sarah's going to realize I'm really not that good. I have no, re I have no capability to be her boss, right? Um, so we all feel that. So I think that's the first thing I would say to you is, Sarah, you are good enough. Because I think all of us have something to give, right? We all have a life experience. We all have a nugget. We all have some knowledge that somebody can gain from. So never discount the experiences that are uniquely yours that somebody else has not had that you can share and that you both can learn from. And I would double click a little bit there too because I would say you're definitely gonna continue to learn as you like share and as you teach. Like I'm sitting here and I'm still like, I'm actually like learning other things about myself. I'm learning other things about the panelists here. And, and so I would say, just keep that in mind too, that as you like, as you grow, you, you're still going to like be able to help someone else that maybe, you know, they just want to know where you are like that's that's the other crazy thing that I had to open my mind up to is like <clears throat> especially like with consulting it's not so much about like you have to know like every single thing you just need to like literally be like one chapter ahead of like everyone else and that's it, it sounds really crazy but like that's like that's the that's how it works and so that being said you know feel free to like give value it's gonna it's gonna come back to you it's gonna come um, back to like full circle pretty much so so have that lunch do that conversation give receive you know grow together yeah, so with networking becoming more and more of a big deal in planning one's career and we go to events such as these or others how do you keep it from being just here's a business card here's a name interaction moving on and actually cultivating that network and growing it to be as effective as it can be. So I've been a fundraiser <laughs> for a long time, and I have been a lot of other hit lists. Um, so I I will literally stalk who I like. I'll, I'll really get to know in networking, or, or you should just work. Uh, who's going to be at this networking event? And okay, who do I need to get to know, or what what companies do I need to get to know? So when I'm there, I know who I'm going to go talk to. Um, but I've already got it planned out how that relationship's going to go, which sounds really psycho. No, I think it's as good. You're going to have goals. Yeah. You know, and sometimes when I'm never going to networking event, I introduce myself to someone and they don't speak back. I want to be like, what are you doing yeah. here? And now on the flip side, if someone if, if someone introduces themselves to me at an event. And like not even 24 hours later, they add me on their LinkedIn. I, you got my attention. Like, okay, like I don't know. On a business level, that feels more important to me than a business card nowadays, because yeah. um, I see your face and I know. I don't know. I was I was reading something last night in a book that it talked about. You know, so you're right. We're sort of so focused on the volume, right? So our link might. You know, I don't know who all those people are that have LinkedIn with me, right? And so part of it is trying to figure out what you can add to the relationship. So I think rather than just linking in with somebody or giving your business card, really think through to your point, like what are, you, what, what are they gonna learn or what are they gonna benefit from this relationship with you? And so what it talked about last night is how do you add value to that relationship? So I think it's a little bit more what you were talking about. It's a give and a take. So what, what's, gonna, what's the compelling reason that somebody would want to be added in your network and, and really develop a purposeful relationship as opposed to just 
one more connection in my LinkedIn, right? Okay, I think deciding your purpose when you yeah. showed up, is it to be social or is it to build your business or your brand? But you've got to kind of figure out what's your why. Like I'm going to buy a backpack from him already. <laughs> See, we've already <laughs> <been there. laughs> he, I, He's already sent me an email. So. But, 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 but there's a benefit to that. So we've, we've made a nice connection and, and now I'm going to buy a backpack. <laughs> no, 100%. I, I think it's also like about um, just genuine. I mean, my approach is like genuinely caring about like people that you're networking with. like. I think I asked you what is the most like you impactful. Me a very profound I'm like what? Because you're a high level. And you're like, high dude, level. I, just met you. I don't get to. <laughs> I know, but I don't. But I'm not always able to. I'm not always able to speak to someone like you know yeah. where where you're you're just overseeing all these physicians and such. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna shoot my shot. Like here we go, you know. And I, I was like, and what's? Now I'm buying a backpack. Yeah, I'm work. like, what's? Yeah. I'm like genuinely want to know like what's an impactful you know decision you made this year because I know for me like it's helpful to just learn you know that like in, in this moment and then it just leads to other things the other side of it I would say too and this might be controversial but social media I think is also changing how we network um, just by show of hands if you ever heard of our brand could you raise your hand please so that's the power of social media right there is like I'm having conversations tonight and then it's like I'm having conversations about like what I've been posting and I think that as we you know if you if you can if you can share it will speed up a lot of those conversations and that like trust factor and that networking to the point where, you know, you can kind of get to whatever it is. You don't necessarily have to be like as high level. You can kind of jump right into the weeds. So that's something that I've learned, like at least with uh, my business. And, and, and what you did earlier tonight by asking that profound question, I'm never going to forget him. He made that encounter memorable, right? So I think that's also really like what, like know your network and then ask some profound question make somebody remember you and through coaching I mean that's how I found these like profound questions like literally just by investing in myself you know I get a there's a guy that's got like super successful business you know I get on a call with him like every Sunday night he's like he shows up and he just like teaches us personal development it's like we're all on zoom and he's like you know you've got to be you know when it comes to networking um, and, and this coach is like super organized so like he's got Trello boards of just like stuff it's just it's kind of insane but it's really helpful um and i would say just to whatever extent like just personally developing like self-development just really knowing like who you are because when you do show up to network you know what your value is already you already know like how you can position yourself and it, and when people ask you a question about like what are you here for like what are you doing you'll be able to like really like you know hit a home run In relation to several time, I know a lot of you guys have seen each other at other networking events. It's building another tribe, another community, and then you know a little bit of comfort in the introduction. Uh, you don't feel as uncomfortable asking for them to make the introduction to help you grow, right? It's telling people what you want, but you got to meet them to figure out how to get there. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm so impressed.